0: Welcome to Toxave Talk Culture Talks, the podcast of Paradisec, the Pacific and Regional Archive for Digital Sources in Endangered Cultures. I'm Jody Kell.
1: And I'm Stephen Gagao. These are conversations with people who have personal and cultural connections to the languages and music in our archive.
0: Episode follows on from episode 10 that presented recordings that are over 100 years old as part of the True Echoes project in collaboration with the British Library. We interviewed Hula speakers from the Papua New Guinean diaspora community in Sydney, Roge and Gulia Killa, about the wax cylinder recordings made in the Hula region, Central Province, in 1904 by Charles Seligman on the Daniels Ethnographical Expedition to British New Guinea. We highly recommend that you go back and listen to the previous episode if you have not already done so, to appreciate the continuation of the conversation and to fill you in on the historical and cultural context of these recordings. We are joined again by True Echo's partner investigator, Amanda Harris, and together with Stephen Gagao, they interview another hula speaker living here in Australia, Deveni Temu lives in Canberra and he shares his perspectives of the historical background of the Hula region leading up to the 1904 expedition, including the establishment of the LMS missionaries in Hula village and the subsequent transformation from traditional living to modernisation and westernised lifestyles. Deveni is from an older generation than Rogan Angulia so he has living memory of growing up in the 1950s and 60s with elders steeped in these cultural practices. He also articulates his knowledge of the significance and meaning held in the song recordings, particularly the Leku Leku Song tradition of the Hula region.
1: The Temu was born and raised in Kapari and Viriolo villages, about 220 kilometres east of Port Moresby, The Venice mother is from Hula and his father from the adjoining Aroma coast. He trained and worked as a high school teacher before becoming one of Papua New Guinea's first qualified librarians. After working for a range of institutions in PNG, New Caledonia and Australia, he was Pacific librarian in the Menzies Library of ANU until his retirement. He is passionate about Papua New Guinean art and culture and with his family in particular, with his wife Marion Gilmore and daughter Salote Uli Temu, he continues to work preserving multilingual songs and dances of Central Province in PNG and Australia. They are key members of the Peroveta Choir and Cultural Group in Canberra, ACT, as well as expressing their own cultural heritage of Hula Aroma Coast.
0: We also hear back from Roge and Gulia Kila. Not only do they add more to Deveni's perspectives on the historical context and meaning of the songs, but we are very excited to share with you their musical responses to the 1904 recordings. They perform a fascinating reenactment of a Leku Leku Song and a stunning Ate Ate Song of Lament. Through these songs, their voices express the value of archival recordings for descendants as they connect the past with contemporary relevance and contribute to cultural continuity.
1: We welcome Devani Temu to the Toksave podcast. Deveni will introduce himself in both Hula and Keakalo languages.
2: Awaraku Deveni Devi temu, ahuawalao vanugana. Viriolo biryol ma i avina a kapari, arana kapari. Kapari biryolo, ahuawalao. Peau, keku karo karon, e Keakalo. Ahuawunana ila Keakalo karonai. Dauda da ko devenitemu taw kapari vanuana vanuana Yawala dawemaku wanige launa kapari geve amayari dawinako burxaba bi nenna bebe dau kapari kalona ke kalo kalonai e burxaka kalona yalo my name is devenitemu i was born in a coastal village in kapari and viriolo two villages side by side in central province of Papua New Guinea. So I grew up speaking both hula, or vula as they call it in by our people, and hula by outsiders, and also keakalo, and the Aroma language. My mother is a hula speaker, and then my father is from Kapari. And so with the recordings that uh, Seligman Recorded in 1904 in Hula Village. Um, that connection is powerful and strong in that I would say I would be one of the last of my generation that listened to this style of singing, traditional style of singing of our Hula Aroma people. When you listen to the recordings, it brings back a lot of connection to these people because it's so unique. There's no way of knowing that this style of singing was ever sung because a lot of people who were born after me probably never heard them and will never hear of them. So in these recordings, I feel they have been preserved and we are lucky that, that the British Library has been able to bring them to light, and now the connection is happening with the uh, Hula Keakalo Aroma descent mm. here in Canberra this morning. So to me that's, and as a librarian and archivist, it, it's very significant for me to be involved. And more so because I understand the language, I speak the language still. And probably it's also true to say that when I die, then my children are not going to speak. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a very emotional
3: thing, I'm sure.
2: It is, yeah. Mm. yeah. It is a powerful thing uh, to listen to this old chants.
4: Mm.
2: But I mean, the songs that are not just um, about anything and everything, they're very meaningful because through these songs you are able to work out the trade connections that these people developed all along the Papua Papuan coast, central province, right up to Torres Strait Islands and to the very eastern tip. And in some of these songs, especially one of them, I wasn't able to work it out, but I... Because of my age, I was able to connect it. And I think it's in the Gulf, one of the Gulf languages. And that points very directly to the Hiri trade that the Motu people were conducting, you know, in the very early stages of our people. But I also heard when growing up in the villages that our people could sing in some of these Uh, languages which we never understood Mm. but we knew they were um, songs they picked up from this Hiri trade Mm. and so the Hula people would have traded with the Motu people when the winds changed and that's the time for them to come to Motu villages and exchange fish with their sago and other uh, commodities or Uh, valuables like shells and bed of paradise feathers for dancing and all those things because Hula people were traditionally very skilled fishermen. Mm. So they would fish in the reefs and bring the fish in and exchange that way. Mm. And so, I mean, that's confirmed in the writings of William Laws, who was um, the first missionary that came via the London Missionary Society. Now, popularly known as LMS. He was the first white man to ever build a permanent house in all of Papua New Guinea, I believe. Mm. So that was in 1884. And so William Laws also has a very strong connection with the Hula people, in that, when the trade happened between the Motu and the Hula people in exchange of fish and sago and Pots, he was there and through that he asked the uh, Hula or Keapara people if he could come and bring the gospel of yeah to the village triple and that's how it happened so that's 1884 so if you take that date and by 1904 when Seligman was there and went up you know the missionary influence was really now gaining uh, power and um you know, that change was going to come. Well,
3: because you also described it had been such a tumultuous time in a way over that so much change. Yeah. And the, this kind of coming of the missionaries. I mean, so much had been happening in yeah. sort of 10, 15, 20 years before Seligman
2: yeah. turns up. That's right.
3: And that's a remarkable moment in time as well for
2: people. Oh, it is, because, mm. I mean, as I said, you know, that was the beginning of dismantling of the very traditional way of life mm. of the people. So whereas the hula, I mean, they were the first of along our coast anyway, excluding the motto people that readily accepted this new way of thinking, a new way of life, new way of Looking at things.
0: Throughout this episode, we also hear from Rogue and Gulia. They add to the historical account of the Hula region and how it was already a trade hub when the missionaries arrived.
5: Historically, so, so our people, Hula people, <coughs> Levalu and Lalu settled in in um, what is now Hula. Hula, and the Hula people got permission to live on there from the Babaka or Ririga. That's the name of that area, the clans that, that the Ririga people let them settle there. Mm. So that's village from the that, from r- that area. area. Yeah. Um, so we so and then our people kind of like just claimed it in in a way. And from the first they made houses on on the sea. And this is why it's like we went from sea to land and then we just, expended,
6: yeah. Yeah, we just expanded. Yeah, but I guess that was like the the main hub of, you know, like trade trade and, and all because you know, they were at the point. So when the yeah. missionaries came, you know, I mean they came and landed there. And that's yeah. where they set up the um, you know, mission, the, station. mission station and all that. So that's where everything was. So the schools and the um but the little um but hospital.
5: Yeah clinics all, and all that they were all, all the, in the So the, the Gola villages Gola Gola neighboring religious so coming. that's where
6: everyone would yeah. It was part of that Yeah, process. it was part of, yeah, yeah. everyone around the peninsula came to Gula yeah. for, yeah, like for schools yeah. and medical, medical
2: yeah. I mean, obviously with these recordings, um, it's when the missionaries were there, tobacco was the main item that the local people wanted, so they would give them tobacco.
3: Maybe also certain people would be... Put forward by the community to sing? I mean, would certain people have been the sort of singers? Of well, this is aspects? the other
2: thing I was wondering about too, in that, you know, would he have gone to the head of the village? Because in these places, you know, you always do. But, you know, this is 1904, so there would be familiarity with white people coming to our communities. Mm-hmm. And so, there could have been already some people identified that you can approach to get into the village or interact with village people. Mm -hmm. And and that, again, you, you have to wonder about that. But the fact that he actually got them to sit down and be recorded is just another amazing thing.
5: It's about the uh, uh, after it's about death and, and they sing after the, the death um a lot of it is it's about mourning with right you know talking about the person it
6: kind of brings that you know that that feeling of uh, because I think um, I mean I can remember um, you know like the dead, you know, when mm. they mourn the dead, there was a way of mourning the dead. morning dead, yeah. yeah, the mourning, you know. So in a way, that's what I felt like because I had, like, I mean, probably late seventies. Yeah, late seventies. Yeah, like yeah, some of the practice, some was still still practice was still you know, strong in, yeah. the, in my village. Yeah. yeah, they would do that. You know, the women would mourn. You know, morning. in a certain way, it's
5: yeah. it was, it's it's quite thingy. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you yeah, you're like. Oh,
3: Stephen told you about these recordings
5: yeah
3: and then you listened to, I was to some really, what
5: yeah, was that what yeah, was that like it was it was, it was kind of like uh I mean first of all it's like sorry you listen know, to something that happened like a hundred years ago you know yeah, oh, yeah. it was a hundred more than, yeah. It yeah yeah it's just it was, um, it was
6: like
5: yeah at first cool. when I when we had it you know my kids you know
6: Sound like
5: something out of like, horror movie
6: what
5: is Stop what is you that say, you know they said that is what are, you, what are you guys yeah. listening to yeah. yeah and there's some chants in, yeah, in there like yeah ch- it Sound like chanting yeah.
4: yeah
5: one particular reference we mentioned earlier was the fact that um, I'll Die and they put me in a canoe because so I didn't know that that, that was a practice
4: mm.
5: back in the day so you know it's a bit of a surprise to me that that's that reference is used in the song or lament yeah and it's about the person you crossing know over. crossing over
6: so one of the things about the, the canoe we kind of went up is because of the name of the, the
5: tree the tree yep
6: yeah so that's how we worked out you know, what they were saying. Oh, okay, this it's a canoe yeah. made from this tree, so that it kind of confirmed it, you know, a, for yeah, for burial. Burial. The the Marawa. Marawa. Marawa is, yeah. a,
5: is a tree that we it grows. It's popular in our in the area, and they, they use it generally to mark the land, like mm. this they, the, the boundaries, boundaries, and, yeah. Yeah. Mm. demarcations. They 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 plant those, and it, 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 when you cut it, it bleeds like. Like red, set, red, 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 red,
1: the sep red. When listening to recordings from so long ago, it is like piecing together a puzzle. Now we hear the Venice interpretation of the same song. So I'm not
2: talking I said there will weep pitifully. So whether the canoe, I mean the marawa, the rosewood, that's the main log they use to make canoes. So that fits in with that and the title lari parais obviously and then i think it also says i just picked it up now so when the tide goes down and your kind will your canoe will be high and dry up there and so you can't get it out and go home kind of thing that's probably why they were weeping
5: There's a certain way of singing. You know, there's many different, especially for the laments. We've got, you know, they don't do them anymore. But We've got the Ute, we've got the Kovar. This is a cross between Genove, Um
3: Is this sort of a song that people don't sing anymore or is it something where you can see how it's changed?
5: I, I think this this where this have been taken over by hymns. Mm. So, I think it's slowed down because I know that when I was growing up, the women would cry and so you know, would like hail themselves and paint themselves or scratch themselves, scratch
6: themselves, mm. and uh beat themselves up in you know, yeah. their face and all that. You know, yeah. ash or yeah. dust. Put dust, dust on themselves oh, and all that. Yeah. They don't know
5: that anymore. Yeah,
6: so I think so, it's probably the you know when Christianity came, they tried to do away with
5: yeah, you
6: know, some of the So it's like. I'm mean, like yes Yeah. So this would be just pre while it was still is, active, right? In the, taken uh, the place of this type of. Yeah.
5: Woman, you know. So, but the occasional utes have still been sun. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm calling saying ute because that's the most most Kristen. current current yeah. uh as, you know lament similar ilk to this mm-hmm. that has still been sung is called uh, ute.
1: Roge and Gulia perform ate ate. As a response to the Agipala Ute song recorded by Seligman, it is not the same song, but it is the same kind of song, sung during mourning after a death by relatives of the deceased and emphasizing the situation, the relationship, and the outpouring of grief. <laughs> Rogue and Gulia singing an Ute or Lament song called Ateate. Ate. We now discuss lekuleku Leku songs, of which there are several in the 1904 recordings.
3: Lekuleku Leku as a kind of type of song, what what what, what characterizes, what makes that a, a,
2: a more serious you don't really Young people don't mess around with it, Uh, yeah, because it has that level of, I wouldn't say sacredness, but um, seriousness in that, Mm. you know, it's, how can I put it? If you're a fisherman or a hunter, you know, it it gives you confidence if you've seen this sacred chance or whatever, Mm. and you go out and, you know, you're hopeful that you'll come back with a big catch or... Mm. actually catch a pig or a dugong or a turtle, yeah. whatever you're going to set out to hunt. Mm. Yeah, mm. But, I mean, these songs would have explained, you know, if mm. it was happening at the time, they would mm. have explained and you know, sure. we were there and we've moved. So the Leku mm. like that. They narrate these stories mm. of people's movement or whether they've had mish- mishaps.
3: Cause it, and it, and you've, you've noted actually there that several of those songs... There's a part. There's a leku. There's something which is quite difficult to hear, and then a leku leku yeah. song afterwards, which is interesting too. So I mean, this obviously seems to be one of the main things that people chose to sing
2: for. Well, that recordings. that's the what well, that's the traditional main. The main. Yeah, the main. Like genre. rigo rigo is for kitoro, mm. kitoro is for rigo. Mm. Hula, ours is leku leku, mm, okay. and then the Aloma people—they're different. They've got several, and I know several of them.
3: You said right at the beginning that y- you, you, that your sort of parents' generation would have would have still been singing yeah, songs yeah, like yeah, this, yeah. and, and you, do yeah. you remember hearing
2: things like this. Yeah, structure? the and leku leku. They mm. would have yes, and I mean, not so much my mother, but her um, parents mm. would have so. I mean my grandmother spoke in Hula dialect all her life and mm-hmm. she would have she would every now and then you could hear her singing the kele kele or leku leku. I mean I went out fishing with my uncles too so sometimes because we didn't have a outboard motor at the time it was the sail so sometimes if the wind wasn't there then we would kind of just be st- in a stable and not really floating and Mm. a leku leku or kele kele song like this. Mm. Just one or two of them singing it Mm. out in the ocean. Mm. And the sound was just amazing.
5: Yeah,
2: very haunting kind of sound. And then they had this
5: uh,
2: in their throat, the way they sing it. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, um, I can't can't explain it, but this is before the output motto was introduced in the villages on canoes. I was really small then and we'd set out and find the wind has dropped so that we weren't going anywhere, so they would sing. This. Mm. Yeah, and and I would be looking down and watching the clear water and looking at my reflection. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) And and I put my leg down, and they will shout at me, Don't, the shark will come and take it off.
3: Yeah. and that, I mean, that's that's a long time after this too, isn't it? That's sort of 50 years in your childhood in the 50s or 60s. Yes. That's a long time after these recordings. There's obviously a continuity there and then things were changing more in the in, in the time of your childhood, do you think? Oh, yeah, in the
2: 50s, 50s? by yeah. the 50s and by the time I went to boarding school. So that would have been 67, 66, 67, 69. By that time, you know... Because we were going to boarding school, we were leaving. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. the young people that were coming up in the village, Mm -hmm. uh, that got disrupted.
4: (laughs)
5: So this one's uh, it's interesting I think at the beginning it says that, that it's been sung by the hula uh, but this song is in actually uh, uh, another language it's in well dialect I'd say uh, Kwaipo Kwaipo was a is a village which is uh, well, I'd say probably 15 15 k's away from hula n- closer to Kapara village um, yeah and it's um, it's they said something about it was in honor of uh, um, uh, somebody who died in a in a, a battle somewhere.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: We couldn't quite hear it. At the beginning it says in honor it's composed of Kuipo in honor of so, someone, but we couldn't hear that that name. that name. And after a battle. And it was after a battle of and it's, it states the name of the place, but you know, because it's spoken by an uh European, mm-hmm. it's hard for for me, you know, like, because uh, the accent accent is is different. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it's probably a battle that we know about, but I can't quite make place, up what he's saying. Yeah. Say. It's quite a sad sad song, uh around uh the peasant. person who died. Yeah, yeah, the battle, yeah. The yeah. Battle, yeah. It, it's it's mainly uh oh, it's an Oh so sad, so sad, but why why I guess why did it and, and it's so sad, so sad. It keeps repeating the word "sad," and 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 then they use the the word "leku leku." So "leku leku" is um, it's a type of like a type of song, but they use that word "leku leku" at the end of each at the end of each verse, and and that word "leku leku" is used in a lot of other songs as well.
3: And so it's saying it's sad, but it's not a sort of lament in the way that other song was. It sounds no. like it's more of a historical yeah. telling a historical yeah. tale. Was
6: that? Yeah. So it was composed after the you know after the, the, effect. Be, after yeah, the effect. after the fact after the fact yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. in honor of the person who died yeah. You know, like compared to that, uh, lament for the dead, like the, it's like it's fresh. It's yeah. like happening right now, and the person is feeling it. You know, yeah. in the song, like yeah. you can. Yeah. Whereas this one
2: is.
5: Or oh, like, he he passed on you know maybe a month ago it. or whatever you know how long ago.
3: And the singing in this one is a bit different too. It's a different group. Yeah, mm-hmm. female
5: as well. Chiming in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So good. Legs. Yeah. So we'll try and uh, do the first couple of lines there. It's only like I said, it's only like forty seconds. We'll repeat, repeat it, and uh, I've got a kundu drum there. Not bad.
3: about that too you know what does keeping on singing songs sort of keep that connection yeah. going is that absolutely a for way me to do that? Yeah. personally it for is,
5: me that's it it it's it's a way for me personally and i'm yeah pretty sure yeah. It, we connect with yeah. our, our you know village or yeah. area and you know it because a lot of this, every time we perform, that, different things happen, you know, so you associate those events with those uh, performances
6: so, yeah, and, mm, and, and songs. Or, mm.
5: yeah. It's reconnecting, like, through uh, the spirits, ancestors, or mm.
1: events, or happenings. Mm. I mean, when you can sing it, you basically connect to that yeah.
5: from you to, and expressing it
1: that way. I the mean, song
5: and dance, yeah. traditionally, you know, when they performed, uh, you know, you have to prepare properly, right? Yeah. Like yeah. you you don't eat mm. for a day and, and fast and, you know, Staying you away. perform at 3 a.m. in the morning. Mm. um you All know, night. All yeah. night. And then... Uh,
6: so they kind of <coughs> went in like a zone. They were in like a, in yeah. a zone.
5: Yeah. The, the performance is probably, uh, you know, 10%, just, 10%. Uh, you know, 10 or 20 percent of it. Yeah, you know, 80 percent is the all the preparation that goes into that making the... the costumes uh, that lead up to that, learning the songs, uh, learning the patterns, and, and then also... Um, yeah. but the
1: entertainment
5: is like here, it's like
1: that, you present and mm. you you demonstrate what, what you, mm. you know, the art or the music, mm. whereas this is more spirituality. Yeah. 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 It's about you connecting. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And then, mm. then you expressing that connection. <laughs>
0: That was Roge and Gulia Kila singing a Lekuleku leku song in their recreation of the 1904 recording. We would like to thank them for their wonderful musical responses and contribution to the discussion in this episode.
1: We also would like to thank Deveni Temu for sharing his lived experiences, cultural expertise and in-depth knowledge as a former librarian in the diaspora community. The insights, perspectives and historical accounts in this episode have strengthened our understandings of these old recordings of 1904. We also would like to thank Amanda Harris and our collaborators on the True Echoes project, the British Library and the Institute of Papua New Guinea Studies.
0: And thank you to our listeners for joining us. If you would like more information about Paradisec, the work we do and the online catalogue, you can visit our website at www.paradisec.org.au.
1: Toksawa Culture Talks was launched as part of the United Nations International Year of Indigenous Languages in 2019.
0: We would like to acknowledge the support of the Australian Research Council's Centre of Excellence for the Dynamics of Language, and the University of Sydney, the University of Melbourne and the Australian National University, as well as the Leverholm Trust, who fund the True ECHOES project.